0: on today's episode of tap out talk we're gonna break down the forbidden door concept let's get in Welcome, everybody, to episode 22, The Forbidden Doors, here on Tap Out Talk. I'm your host, Brian, and let's get right in. So, I want to start out and I want to talk about our cover story. Again, The Forbidden Doors. This has been a concept for ages ago, and it has always been around in the wrestling industry. But lately, it has gotten so much buzz in 2021 and even further in 2022. So let me break this down for you guys today. So years ago, when wrestling was first getting started, and this was years before the WWE, we had a concept called territories. And what that basically meant was we didn't have the days of social media and the days of traveling as much. So wrestlers had to travel almost like a circus, if you would, from town to town. And sometimes they didn't have those kind of finances to come in and actually do that work. So what happened is you would have these territories in the United States and in other countries and each wrestling promoter would actually have a territory that they ran and they developed young stars in which they housed and they didn't travel as much. What actually happened then is those territories would actually have agreed upon a one champion concept where one champion would represent all the territories in the wrestling industry. You guys might know this as the big gold belt, the old school WCW belt, right? Which it does evolve into that eventually from those NWA WCW days. So what happens is you would elect a guy like Ric Flair was the most commonly known territory champion and he would travel and then eventually they would lose it to somebody in a territory and that would become the guy. So then what happens is you get guys like Ric Flair who end up being like a 16 time champion, right? So that is a open door concept now as we fast forward the wwe years later started growing into the juggernaut that it is and all of a sudden it kind of closed up these territories you had remaining companies but there was really one true brand and that was the wwe so then that door has since got shut and got locked by none other than vince mcmahon himself right and you guys might be surprised to find out though that he has actually been opening that forbidden door and cracking it and sneaking a peek very much through history of his promotions. He started out partnering and then he evolved into partnering, but there is a catch for old Vinny Mac, and there is, he is not going to actually partner without meeting certain criteria. We're going to talk about that today. So I want you guys to realize WWE WCW, ECW, All Elite, New Japan, Impact Wrestling, all these Forbidden Doors have had cracks and people have peeked in in the past. Let's go right into our example from last year. So last year we have the example of Tony Khan with AEW and he actually, it's been huge for the industry. He coined that term Forbidden Door and Tony Khan said, I'm going to go old school with it and I'm actually going to go territory style because he's still building up the AEW brand. And he made multiple partnerships internationally. He actually started one with AAA Lucha down in Mexico. And that was a great partnership and beneficial because it allowed exchange of talent between the two promotions. They didn't step on each other's toes. And it actually allowed tag team titles to be defended on both shows as well. So that was one partnership. They went even further with it with the AEW Forbidden Door with New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've seen the likes of AEW not traveling abroad. They stay here local in the States. So what happens is you have New Japan who actually, we have allowed talent, AEW has allowed talent over to New Japan to wrestle in their tournaments, right? You've seen the likes of Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, John Moxley all get to go over there and be part. In return, in fall of 2021, that debt was repaid when you started seeing the invasion of the New Japan wrestlers coming over to fight John Moxley. And though some of those battles have followed him back to the United States recently, all before his recent time off. And I feel like that was going to be building to an ultimate, you know, Okada, Omega, Moxley type feud. But we aren't getting into that here today. So then that's the New Japan side of it. And then ultimately, AEW's also done some NWA partnerships With the women's tournament, they've actually sponsored and put on a lot of the stuff that, you know, the women's talent and the money to put on that big brand for women's wrestling. And then finally, the big one Impact Wrestling. Tony Khan actually signed a contract with Impact Wrestling to exchange talent. And what happened was Kenny Omega actually won the World AEW Championship with Don Callis in his corner from Impact Wrestling. And he said, you'll have to watch Impact. I'm moving to Impact with the title. He actually went on later to win Impact's World Championship. And then held this whole persona of Kenny the Collector of Belts. And that was a great talent exchange. You had guys like Christian Cage going over there and wrestling for Impact. You had some Impact stars showing up on AEW. So that started this whole concept of the forbidden door. It never used to be forbidden. But all of a sudden, in the last modern era, it has been forbidden, and that door is slowly cracking open. Let's get over to the WWE side and how they use the forbidden door. So I want you guys to think back. Years ago, we were in the height of glory in the late 90s, and you had the height of the WWE, or WWF at the time. You had Monday Nitro brewing with WCW, and then you had Extreme Championship Wrestling, ECW. And at the height of the Attitude Era when WCW was highly and heavily competing with WWE, you actually seen ECW open a forbidden door with the WWE and you seen the WWE start to help by sending talent to ECW to invade and ECW talent to be on WWE shows in a small form. We have seen partners like this with the NWA as well with Jim Cornette bringing up some of the Smoky Mountain Wrestling and NWA type guys. So we have seen these forbidden door concepts cracked by the WWE, especially in the midst of major competition. And when WWE has major competition, they tend to crack the door. Vince McMahon at the time said the only reason he really fully tried to help ECW was because he believed their stars would actually be the future of the WWE. And I don't think he was wrong. Guys like Rey Mysterio, guys like Rob Van Damme, Chris Jericho, um, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, the list goes on. And a lot of those guys did become the next big things in the business. Eventually, ECW went bankrupt. WWE was able to help buy them out. And they then acquired and owned the brand. That was the first kind of major partnership. And then eventually they acquired it. So here's the lesson you guys should learn. Vince McMahon will open that forbidden door if he's going to an open house. Just like when you're selling your home, you have an open house and you say, hey, we're a little desperate. Come in, check out the house. Let's gain some interest. That's exactly when Vince McMahon opens that forbidden door because he realizes that brand is not a threat to him or his company at that time. So in, in this kind of point is ECW did not become a threat. Therefore, Vince knew he would acquire them. Later in that story, Monday Nitro. We had WCW eventually went under after really winning that Monday Night War for a very long time. Eventually, they did go under, and then the WWE came in and bought them. And then all of a sudden, they owned the WCW brand, and they cracked that forbidden door and tried to do an invasion angle back on. We can go back and forth of how that went, but they didn't have a lot of the talent locked in. A lot of that can be covered in the Monday Night War stuff that you guys seen in the past. So, that's the past. Let's talk about the current landscape of the WWE. Right now, you got a lot of brands that are associated with the WWE, and I'll name a few. Westside Extreme Wrestling, Progress, Over-the-Top Wrestling, ICW, Evolve. You might have seen Evolve on the WWE Network. And that's a really big key point with the WWE. They acquire partnerships with a lot of these smaller little brands because they want content for their WWE network, or now their partnership with Peacock. So what we look at here and we see is these are not big brands on their own. They're small, they're little, but it allows the WWE to keep an eye on talent and allows them to slowly just evolve, if you will, into their own brand and make their portfolio wider. This is actually why the WWE, I feel like in a way, sometimes does not need NXT Because Triple H was developing them into the WWE style where the WWE has some of these individual talent hunts, if you will. So that's the current layout of the WWE. And one of the things you guys might ask is WWE's created a buzz lately saying they may have a open partnership or they are going to have an open partnership with Impact Wrestling. And we're going to get right into that here in a minute because I'm going to break down what kind of talent swaps going to happen what actually that you're going to get out of this partnership and the question is going to remain does WWE look at impact wrestling as not a threat to their main infrastructure anymore before we do that I just want to say thank you to everybody who likes shares or subscribes to this videos I appreciate each and every one of you guys um, one of my uh, friends I became friends with um, Jesse Chapman out on uh, Twitter I want to say thank you he uh, helped share the podcast last week and I really appreciate that man. Um, And I wish you all the best. So again, go ahead and hit the like button and it helps get this up in the main channel So after we're done with the shout out there, I wanted to go ahead and get into this forbidden door concept So WWE impact wrestling these two companies going to combine absolutely not Okay, what this is going to do is this AEW partnership ended with Impact Wrestling last fall at their Bound for Glory pay-per-view where Christian Cage actually defeated, or excuse me, defended his Impact World title against Josh Alexander. And then from there, Josh Alexander won the championship only to have Moose cash in what would be the equivalent of Impact Wrestling's money in the bank clause by winning a battle royal in the beginning of the pay-per-view of the night and he actually cashed in and is in their current world champion. Now, I do not believe that major world champions, a.k.a. Moose, is going to be involved with the WWE. I don't feel there's a cross promotion there, but I do feel that there's going to be benefits to impact wrestling. And there also is going to be benefits to the WWE on a short term basis. So this means, number one, the WWE does not see impact wrestling as a threat anymore. Years ago, I would say TNA Impact Wrestling was the second biggest promotion to WWE, and that's not, it was a pretty big gap. Not as tight of a gap as AEW is nowadays. But what you're really looking at is they had the likes of guys like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and then some. They had Kurt Angle at one point. So, with that being said, what will Impact Wrestling benefit from this talent exchange? The big benefit is going to be in my opinion, I feel AJ Styles will make a return to the Impact Zone in Impact Wrestling, okay? So I feel AJ Styles will meet up with Gallows and Anderson, the good brothers, who are currently in Impact Wrestling, and I feel the WWE will open that forbidden door to allow AJ Styles over there just to work a very small appearance or program and then quickly be gone. Okay? I do feel that you could maybe see Gallows and Anderson appear in the Royal Rumble. Maybe they help AJ Styles eliminate Amos from the Royal Rumble after he has a big man type presence in the Rumble. But AJ and I feel the Good Brothers could help him out. And that's where this talent exchange is going to come in. With that being said, the industry went crazy in this last week because the WWE straight up announced Mickey James will be in the Royal Rumble despite being the Impact Knockouts champion. So Mickey James is one of the most respected female veterans in pro wrestling industry. She's worked across many promotions in her 20 plus years of working. She's worked with the WWE as well, as you guys remember. James returned to Impact Wrestling earlier this year, and in her years with the WWE, she urged transformation of the treatment of the WWE Divas division. She was a big big factor in all of that. Mickey even recently is now the knockouts champion and she is going to go into the Royal rumble event as their champion, as the pay-per-view over the weekend. She just actually defended that title. So what we're looking at now is Mickey James entering the women's Royal rumble. What is going to happen with this buzz? It's just that guys, it is a buzz, right? It is going to be great for the Royal rumble. With all the recent talent releases, and this is really what this is about, the WWE recently has gotten rid of more talent than they have ever done it in the history of the company, and they've done it almost quarterly. You see how that matches up with quarterly business reviews, right? They have made it a practice to get rid of people and get used to these releases coming every quarter now. Unfortunately, that is the corporate world that we are living in with them right now. But what they realized and they failed to plan for, in my opinion, is the Royal Rumble. They said, "Uh uh-oh, we don't have enough talent now that is recognizable that actually is built up, so we need to actually bring in some help to help fill this talent. Now, WWE used to do this years ago on a mild scale. They would get a few people from Japan to enter the Rumble. We wouldn't know who they are, or they would even get guys like Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk and guys that weren't necessarily related to the WWE at some point, but they would have them Bring in, and then they would fight, and then we're supposed to know who they are, and they would throw them out, right? In those older days. But they would have some shared territory doors when they needed it, right? So, what we're looking at here is Mickey James is going to be the knockout world champion entering the Women's Rumble. Now, I'm going to give you guys some surprise entrance that I feel this open door is actually going to give on the short-term basis as to give the Royal Rumble the extra seasoning and the spice needed for that meal. Next up, you're going to see probably somebody like the Iconics, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, face off with possibly the Bellas, who actually have just made the announcement they are going to compete in the Women's Royal Rumble. So I can see these two facing off a little bit. Um, I see the Bellas eliminating the Iconics in this situation, but I do see, okay, that's two more women's spots that are filled up that the WWE no audience knows. Um, let's go over to the men's side of it. We could, on the women's side, get a few more things like Madison Rain. She's no stranger to WWE competition. On a minimal scale, she did participate in the Mae Young Classic tournament. So on the men's side of it, you are going to probably see some surprise entrants because the WWE does need surprises. So first up, I think the most likely candidates I'm going to give you, Rhino. He is already known with the WWE audience. He's over in TNA. I think he could enter, and let's be real, if they're not currently in the product, he they will pop and they will get some claps from the audience, right? Next up, I feel we will get Rhino's best buddy, Heath Slater. Now, this actually, I could, if you wanted to get fun with the storylines, you could be a last-minute replacement for the injured Drew McIntyre. As I reported on day one, that McIntyre most likely is going to be out with neck surgery or possible major neck injury. So what's going to happen is Heath Slater could be the last-minute replacement for Drew McIntyre calling his old buddy up Heath, and he and Rhino could also team up to possibly take out their old gender Mahal, so Heath Slater's three-man band old-school partner. So I could see a little bit of uh, that friendship popping in. Next up, um, this one is almost a must. Woo-woo-woo-woo. Zack Ryder would be a huge pop for the crowd, and people would love it. This one is almost, I would say, Garen damn-teed if I was to go back in the day with a Vince McMahon Garen damn So my final surprise entrant for this talent swap. So I have a minimum few because I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge thing, but I do think you're going to have guys like... Zack Ryder, a.k.a. Matt Cardona, take on their old personas and enter real quick. But my final surprise entrant that we could see, and I'm just going to do this and you guys are going to laugh, but is d Brown. I feel we could be looking at the real deal now. You can hear the theme song right there. So basically, I feel d has been acting as a talent agent and a backstage uh, producer for TNA and then Impact Wrestling. And so I feel we could get a minimal appearance. Think of the terms of the Godfather making an old school appearance. I think you would get those old school fans from the 90s and the Attitude Era that would just like a quick d entrance and a D-low exit. So those are all my surprise rumble entrance. That's everything I wanted to kind of go with you guys. Let's get into some of the recent news that I think you guys should know of. Really quick, um, I, you know, I like to report on a couple things with UFC and boxing every once in a while. Um, I think you guys should know that UFC has evolved into, of course, a global phenomenon that we all know. There's no denying that. But the MMA promotion has millions of fans around the world who watch their favorite fighters. And a lot of people who enjoy WWE also sometimes do enjoy UFC. I know I'm one of those guys. I was there for watching UFC 1 as a kid, right? So the ever-creasing popularity of it, according to Newsday, UFC pay-per-views on ESPN+. plus will now cost $74.99. That's for one event, guys. $74.99. The previous price was already available on that platform for $69.99. So the new prices will come to effect with UFC 270 here on January 22nd of this year coming up in the next couple weeks. If you thought that surge was only announced for individual UFC pay-per-views, think again. The annual subscription for ESPN Plus Pay-per-view package has also been raised from $89.98 to $99.98. So, guys, man, that's um just insane. ESPN, if you guys remember, acquired exclusive rights for the UFC pay-per-views back in 2018 and has been gradually increasing the prices. And this is now the third basically major surge in the last four years. The network started around $59.99, if I remember correctly, for individual UFC pay-per-views. So here's my take, okay? UFC has a dominant market on the fighting world, but people should pull back on some of these prices. I know um, back you know in the day when these would come up, we'd either get together with friends and chip in, or ultimately, I would just wait for the DVDs to come out. Or I would wait till I can catch you at a later point I have a pretty big UFC DVD collection Right next to my pro wrestling collection But I used to go back and just love to re-watch these fights over and over And um, just study them really So that's um, one thing I wanted to report on this The next is a boxing related one Which is Jake Paul Now, uh, Jake Paul, Jake Paul He is claiming that he carries the boxing sport You know he's a very colorful character Jake Paul's current character sees him as a heel, if you would, who loves getting under the skin of his opponents before every boxing match. Jake Paul isn't afraid to call out top UFC stars uh, for fights as he's called out guys, the likes of Nate Diaz on numerous occasions for a fight. At one time, he even called Nate Diaz every day to book a fight against him. Um, This problem child of the boxing world continues to make outrageous statements and ridiculous boasts for attention. For the most part, It certainly is working fans and basically that want to see Jake Paul get punched in the face. So this includes the times he compared himself to Muhammad Ali. That's right. Jake Paul actually compared himself to Muhammad Ali and even stated that Ali was never tested like he was. Yikes. Okay. Um, Paul even revealed that he was suffering from memory loss after over 20 concussions. And he claimed that he has numerous occasions that he is, Carrying the world of professional rock boxing, and, and basically, he's the only one reason that people watch boxing. So, that's a pretty bold statement, and um, I think it's a little ridiculous, right? I don't think Jake Paul can even lace up those gloves when it comes to the days of Tyson, Ali, George Foreman, Duran, the list goes on, guys. Okay, there are so many greats in this sport. And this sport is in a major modern decline, which is why the UFC previously, as I just mentioned, are able to jack up their pay-per-view prices because they know people have transitioned from the world of boxing over to the world of UFC. I've always naturally been drawn more to the UFC because I feel like that's a full fight, right? But boxing is a traditional art. And I mean, once Manny Pacquiao and once guys like Floyd Mayweather kind of left the sport, It's really had a hard time drawing in money. And so you need these colorful characters like Jake Paul to try to hold the load. But I don't think it's fair to compare him to the true legends of the ring. All right, let's get back to wrestling. So William Regal, um, huge announcement, of course. And you guys have heard William Regal was released from the WWE about a week ago in a surprising move. He was not the only person in the performance center who lost their job this week. Others who were handpicked by Triple H were also let go. And now Regal is finally breaking his silence. Ringside News exclusively reported that the firing this week were personal, um, that Triple H is no longer part of the brand, and they wanted to make it very clear. And Regal was brought over to NXT where he played a huge role in being Triple H's right-hand man in the industry. Regal actually put out a tweet and he is the most classiest man ever. And here's his actual response. Thank you to at WWE for a wonderful 21-year run. You gave a lad who was happy and in Wonderland wrestling on a carnival have a charmed life for 21 years. No complaints. And please, no one waste time replying as I won't have a bad word said against the company. I will add that at WWE saved my life in 1999 when they didn't need to. They kept my family fed and took me all around the world. You have my gratitude forever. You allowed me to live a charmed life. Here's my take. William Regal is a seasoned veteran of the business in and out of the ring. He is a classy man. I've watched him wrestle in WCW. I've watched him evolve in the WWE world. And everybody that he has trained, he has personally touched their heart. And he's personally developed their ring psyche And their ability to perform. And that is why William Regal in my opinion is a Hall of Fame candidate. To eventually be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. William Regal has had a huge impact on this wrestling. Like a lot of trainers and a lot of mentors do in the background for the WWE on a daily basis. It is a shame to see him go. But he has had an amazing run with this company. And he's always classy as ever. And he will be involved I feel in the wrestling world Again, on some level. Next, we also seen that there was another release, of course, with the Road Dog, Jesse James. The Road Dog was fired from the WWE as the company axed several people, right? Again, attached to Triple H. Um, I mean, we can only wonder who was going to be next eventually, right? So the Road dog may very well find his way, possibly, in the industry again. Um, a fan tweeted out in the last week, Hey, any chance of you joining Billy Gunn in AEW? Possibly as a producer, and the WWE Hall of Famer replied with an answer of, "Well, the light bill isn't gonna, the light bill ain't gonna pay for itself." The Road Dog has, again, had a great career, and he's also worked as a producer and done a great job. He's definitely handled the SmackDown um, brand for a very long time, and he actually, you know, was helping a lot backstage in NXT as well, I believe. So, um, Road Dog Jesse James, I he's too connected in the industry, and I do see him eventually tagging up with Billy Gunn. Um, to maybe help if aew would have him right so i don't know where it's next for him but i think for the right price he would probably go down there and also help out never to say never also not a lot of you guys know this but scott armstrong referee and also kind of a head referee in the trainer Um, Scott Armstrong has been everywhere in the world of professional wrestling. Scott started his career as a journeyman during the territory era that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast in the late eighties. The Armstrong wrestling family reached great success in the industry. And two of the Armstrong brothers now find themselves without work. That's right. Scott Armstrong is actually the brother of Brian Armstrong, AKA the road dog, Jesse James, who we mentioned was just let go. So he was handling a lot of The referee duties, the training of those referees. Um, He was released, of course, from his contract. Scott has spent over 15 years with the WWE. Armstrong's firing left him with plenty to reflect upon. His response on Twitter. Losing a good gig is never easy, no matter what the occupation. So sometimes you just got to get back to basics. Hashtag biscuits. uh, TY for all the well wishes from everyone. I just need a click to reset. Oh, and at Sean Ross sap saying, I'm 62. Come on. I'm a really young 60. Five four 61 is his birthday, right? So uh, he's kind of giving it a little bit to the reporters, which I like. Uh, seems like a pretty good dude. You know, I've seen his work in the ring. I've never really had um, seen him outside of that role, but you could just – Kind of get the impression that he's been around and he knows a few things, right? The WWE's been undergoing this massive restructure, and I think Scott was a part of that. Um, my, I tweeted out a little while ago. I wish anybody going through these releases and anybody currently, you know, employed with the WWE, um, I ask, you know, I hope that they still are stay focused, they keep their hopes up, and keep their dreams alive, right? Because I know there's a lot of younger people um, in that franchise right now. That are a little worried and I would hope that, you know, we can find themselves stable and remember like they always say the cream rises to the top and then another final release that I'm going to talk about is Samoa Joe Um, again. This is the second time that Samoa Joe has been released from the WWE in the last year. So Joe spent a decade with impact wrestling. That's a little ironic considering the recent partnership now. Before moving on to the WWE in 2015, Joe was brought in by Triple H and quickly booked as an unstoppable force. Uh, NXT saw a run where Joe won the brand championship, but he was forced to relinquish the title due to an injury. And it wasn't long after until he was cut by the WWE. There was no doubt that Samoa Joe will be one of the hottest free agents on the scene if he decides to wrestle again. The big players outside the WWE... Would love to have a hard-hitting grappler on the roster, and Joe will have some big decisions to make regarding the future very soon. I really feel that Samoa had his best days in Ring of Honor and TNA Impact Wrestling. I was addicted to Samoa Joe's work. His matches with Kurt Angle and TNA Impact Wrestling were amazing. His matches with AJ Styles were even better and off the charts. And I just said, keep them coming. Make them tag up. Make them you know, fall apart. Make them fight. Fight forever, right? The WWE never really used him correct, except with AJ Styles and a storyline, which, again, I always like their work. I may have to go back and revisit that and watch that again. And then a brief Brock Lesnar match that led him to being overshadowed at the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view in July, if I hold myself correctly. Um, Which is a horrible name for a pay-per-view But I remember it was Joe versus Brock Lesnar And they had the return of The Undertaker Just overshadowed it And it became a one-off title shot for Joe And then he got kind of pushed into the back So guys, that's all of the releases And all this forbidden door talk And I hope you guys enjoy I want to end on a very fun note And uh, just a little, you know Because I I like to end on a positive note here Elmo smells what the rock is cooking Okay, so the reason I'm tweeting this Dwayne, the rock Johnson actually responded to Elmo, who has actually tweeted um, and said, has anybody ever seen a rock eat a cookie? Elmo is just curious, not actually directed at the rock, not directed at the people's champion. And the rock actually responds to Elmo. And he says, yes, my friend, this rock devours cookies, all kinds of cookies. And he says, I'll introduce you to hashtag cheap meals and it'll change your life. Tell Cookie Monster to move it over because I'm coming to Sesame Street to kick his ass and eat cookies. And I'm almost out of cookies. Okay. So The Rock, um, you know, obviously cut a promo. I can't really do a Rock-type promo. But uh, just a little fun, you know. It just goes to show The Rock can have a little fun. He knows how to keep himself trendy. Curious what kind of cookies they are. They can't always be chocolate chip. Maybe some white, white macadamia nuts. Who knows? But ultimately, I wanted to end on a fun little positive note. We can't take things so serious all the time. So that is everything that I got for us today. And as always, you guys know how it is. Thank you for watching so much. Like, share, subscribe. And around here, we don't say goodbye. We say game over.